Hi everyone, what is happening? Dr. Ashley Dash here, the founder of National Black Man Day. I am thrilled to introduce our speaker coming up right now, Mr. Noble S. Evans himself. He's been gonna come through dropping knowledge. So you wanna make sure that you stick around and check out all the wonderful things he has to say. I'm super excited, let's go. And thank you once again, Dr. Dash, for that wonderful introduction. And ladies and gentlemen, here we have Mr. Noble Evans. How are you doing today, sir? Good, Wilson, how are you? I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, man. Um, first thing I wanna get into, you know, what does it mean to you to be a part of Black Man Day? And what does it mean to you to be unmuted? Well, to me, to be a part of this is a big accomplishment for me because many years I used to be that mute person. I used to stand in the backgrounds, not want to voice my opinion, even though I had an opinion or voice my stressful concerns about a concern that might be hitting home. Mm -hmm. I never would say anything. So being a part of this, being unmuted with the other co-authors on this project, it means a lot. Excellent, man. Excellent. Um, and I definitely feel you on that, man. You know, oftentimes we're, we're, people call me, you know, growing up, I was like the strong, silent type. I never said much. But, uh, you know, there's a time where you have to speak up and you need to speak up because our thoughts and our feelings matter. So we do need to speak up. And yes, this is a great opportunity for all of us, you know, being co-authors and just really sh sharing our message with everyone, man. I'm super excited and I cannot wait to get into this interview with you so you can share your amazing story. So the first question, well, the second question I have for you is, who is Noble Evans? Who am I? My name is Noble S. Evans. I'm a father of two lovely girls, Tori and Lexi. I'm a husband of my lovely wife from college. We've been married for 16 years this month on the 27th. We've been together for 26 years. I'm an author, I'm an entrepreneur, and alongside my wife, we are leaders in our local church couples ministry. That is spectacular, man. Congratulations on that wonderful beautiful marriage the beautiful black family the black love i love to see it and i love to hear it especially with what i feel like is going on a war in social media between black men and black women i'm not going to dig into that too deep we'll, we'll talk about what you and your wife are doing to help combat that later in the interview but i really feel like there's a war going on i'm like man i i need this to be over but ooh. yeah it's it's a war it's a war going on but it's not the war is not where it needs to be, you know. So the war needs to be in the household and not against each other. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I want to start at the beginning with you. So you had six siblings, correct? Yes. What was that like growing up with six, six siblings? I only have an older brother, and that was rough enough. So I could <laughs> – six siblings. Where did you – where where were you in that order? Well, it's, it's six of – brothers and one sister she the oldest so I, out of the brothers i'm the fourth i'm in the middle okay <laughs> wow so our our household you know it was it was fun you know a lot of arguments you know a lot of fights you know a lot of protectiveness you know mm -hmm. because of like it's all boys and 
she was the only one there out of her place, but she knew she had, you know, protection between the boys. Yeah, I mean, she had a whole, you know, starting five lined up with one on the bench. Like, I mean, dang. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll take turns getting in and out. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Wow. Um, so just to get into your life and, you know, part of what led to your transition in life. So um, in school, you know, uh, your questionnaire, you said you struggled academically, but you excelled in sports. So was sports kind of like that balance for you to make school a bit easier, or was it just something you're passionate about? I am passionate about basketball, but um, to answer your question, yes, basketball did help me, you know, get through the academic parts, you know, um, going to study hall and having one of my mentors, you know, staying on top of, you know, my studies. So that kind of helped throughout college and my career. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, man. So those of you out there listening, and again, thank you for joining joining us. Um, that is why these activities, whether it's a club or sports or anything like that, are super, super important. I wasn't always the best student, but some of those other activities around school made school fun for me, and it made and it encouraged me to continue to do well so I could continue to participate in those activities myself. So... I'm going to say this on a personal level, y'all. My dad was very heavy on academics and really didn't want me to do any extracurricular stuff like that. Um, and I really wish he would have because it just gives you, it makes you a more well-rounded person, I believe. So those of you out there with children growing up, coming up, if they want to explore something and do something, if you have the means and, and you can get it done and let them, you know, step out and try something new or do something, you know, Outside of the academic realm, please let them do that. Let our kids explore a little bit. Let them discover a little bit and things like that. You know, I just uh, want to put that there. Go ahead. The two to go. The two go together. You know, I mean, the sports kind of treat you as a study guide, so to speak. It teach you how to be patient. It teach you how to be mentally strong. It teach you conditioning for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. and then the academic part of it. It gives you to a chance to go study all the things that you learn in sports. So they go hand in hand. So sometimes you might not want to go do your studying, but if you don't go do your studying, you can't play that sport. Very true. Thank you for, say for saying that as well. That's the other thing we got to think about. These other activities give your, it, it, it's the same mental exercise. But, you know, we we tend to, as people, we tend to be drawn to what we actually like, what we want to do. And it's funny because, like you said, you still have to study with sports. There's playbooks, there's plays, and then you have to build relationships with your teammate and learn how to work together so you build your own community, which is some of the same things you do in the classroom. So they do go hand in hand. It's just in a different environment. So keep that in mind, you anti-sport people out there. Don't be anti-sport. Keep them, let them kids uh, go out there and play. Right. Um. So you mentioned something super profound, and I want you to break down what it means to everyone. Um. You said that there came a point where you shed your limitations and put on the armor of God. What does that mean? Well, it means that putting on the armor of God, a protective, you know, God has been in my life, but not part of my life. And February 6th, seven years ago, 
I had a aorta dissection. Wow. And I was in the hospital for a week. And I came out of that surgery and still in a coma. So doing that, God was working on me while I'm in a coma. I'm not awakened to nobody but me and him. Mm-hmm. So I was doing wrong. So instead of me doing an answer his calling, I fought it. So it took this reaction to knock me off my feet. I'm 6'7", 280. For that to happen, knock me off my feet and settle me down and calm me down mm-hmm. and have deep relationship and conversation with my wife about certain things that was going on in our marriage, put a change my life and change her life to where we we had to put everything aside and say, okay, hey, are we gonna be in this? Or what are we gonna do? So when I came to, things have changed. You know, I looked at things in a different perspective because I could have lost my my family without saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know, friends, you know, so that was that was a big part because putting on the arm of God is, is it's gonna change you, you know, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But you have to be ready for it because it's not going to come when you think you're ready for it. It's going to come when he's ready for you. Ooh, you just said a word right there, man. I'm glad you made it through that. And I'm glad that, you know, you're one of the people who went through an experience and you recognize. I'm glad you're able to recognize, okay, this is God sitting me down. I need to hit the reset button. And, you know, those of you out there listening, it happens. It happens in different ways to different people. It happened to me, especially after I moved from South Carolina to the Virginia area. Um, a lot of things shifted and changed, even though I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, not praying like I should, not going to church like I should. you know. But I tried to do the best that I could as a person, being nice to people, being courteous, and just put myself out there to serve others. And one thing that I noticed is the more I shed my bad habits, And the more I stayed away from who I used to be and started moving more towards who I am and who I need to be and started utilizing more of my gift, the more doors started opening up and the better I just started feeling personally. Um, So thank you for sharing that. And then on the relationship part, man, I'm so glad that you were able to talk to your wife and she was able to listen and give you a chance, you know, um, I think sometimes we are so cold-hearted and so quick to not forgive somebody as soon as they mess up. And it's like, y'all, nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. You might not know about all the imperfections, but nobody is perfect. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a conversation, two people talking and hashing things out and giving, you know, somebody else another chance. But that's that's my opinion. Uh, Yeah, uh, we had to have, before we celebrated each other, we had to have a funeral. You know, I had to attend her funeral. She had to attend mine. And what I mean by that, like, we had to put everything on the table mm-hmm. and bury all the bad doings, all the all the wrongdoings, just put it like that. You know, whether it was a tough conversation, which it was, putting everything out there, it was good. Mm-hmm. You know, so once we had those funeral, then we started celebrating our, our union. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. I'm glad y'all, again, I'm glad y'all made it through. Um, and I like the symbolism that you used there. Like, put, lay it to rest, y'all. 
lay it to rest. You know, I know some people out there, if you're a movie watcher, there are times where people, when they go through something traumatic, <clears throat> they write it down and they burn it or they bury it or something like, like, like that. They really, they literally symbolize, I'm letting this go. I'm getting rid of this out of my life. And sometimes yeah, that's what we have it. to do. Yeah, there you go. Release it. All right. So you were an athlete and you you said earlier you're six seven two eighty, right? Okay, so you're not a small guy, so you was probably putting a hurting on people on the court. But you said, uh, well, before I get there, um, let's talk about change. Um, and the quote from Les Brown in the Black Family Magazine was, uh, "Change is difficult, but often essential to survival." Um, and I bring that up because I want to talk about well, one, tell tell us what that means to you. But it means to mean that, you know, we have to go through things. So when we go through things, we automatically know that we have to change if it's good or if it's bad. Yes. So being muted for so long, you know, I knew I had to change because I had a voice inside. And my wife always say, well, why don't you just speak up? Mm. You know, but I was like, well, I'm not that type of person to be out front. Mm -hmm. So being out front now gives me the voice for the young men behind me that feel like they don't have a voice. With you all, the co-authors in this project, we can speak for them. So we have to change their mindset, say, hey, you do have a voice along with my voice. So let's put it together and speak out. And if we don't have a change, we're going to stay in the same lane and we're not going to be able to do what we have to do. Man, I'm going to tell you this right now. You probably already know this about yourself, <clears throat> but being a black man and an unmuted black man, you are a superhero. And the reason I call you a superhero is because <clears throat> I'm thinking about my experiences as a black man who is unmuted, who's a teacher, and you mentioned something so important just now, the young men coming in behind us. Uh, those of you out there, especially the brothers out there watching, if you are around kids or you're around a, a younger generation, uh, unfortunately, in certain areas in life, we are a rarity. They don't see enough of us. I'm a teacher. I'm going into year 11. Everywhere that I've taught, I've either been the only black male in the entire school or maybe one of two in the entire school, my entire career. Going into this school year, I think, yeah, going into this school year, I will be the only black male in the entire building. Um, and the reaction I get from the kids, the way they gravitate towards me, the way, the way they interact with me, it blows everyone's mind every year. And that, you know, my administrators always say, well, Mr. Wilson, how, like, why do these kids love you? Like, how do you? And I'm like, well, I'm authentic. I'm genuine. And, you know, they're drawn to me because I'm something that they never see. Every year I get loads of parents saying, hey, you're my child's first black male teacher. I'm so happy. I'm so proud. And just to bring it back around to what you said, I have an obligation to be unmuted. I do speak up and let them know, you know, y'all are winners. Y'all are kings. Y'all can go out there and achieve anything that you want. Go out there and do the right thing. Things of that nature. And I make sure I represent myself because it's not just about me and my journey. There's people coming in behind me. That's why I love having conversations with people like you to share your story as well, because there are people out there going through stuff 
who may have gone through similar things and think, I can't make it. This has only happened to me. I have the worst of luck. All these things. But it's like, you are not alone. <laughs> You're not right. alone. And that's right. another reason why it's so important for us to speak up and speak out. Because it's like, oh, wow, he, he went through a you know life-changing thing. Wow, he had marital problems. Oh, shoot, he almost lost his life. Well, he goes to therapy. He's sharing his feelings. Like, it is okay. Like, we got to break down these stigmas and these stereotypes about us. Like, we are people and we are unmuted. And we are here to share these experiences so that y'all can try to avoid the same mistakes that we made so we can just continue to get better through the generations. All right. Yeah, if we, if we just reach back and reach one young man, teach him. Mm-hmm. You know, just a simple thing as tying a tie for an interview. You know, yep. it's not about all the, you know, flashness of what they have right now of, you know, YouTube or rappers and making all the type of money. I mean, yeah, we make that type of money, but mm-hmm. that's not what we need. Mm-hmm. We need to have the education to do those things. You're 1000% correct. Definitely got to have the education behind it. And another thing is, and I know you can share, you know, some information about this. What I tell a lot of kids is a lot of people will show you the end product. They don't show you what they went through to get there. They they make it look like, oh, I woke up and everything was perfect. No, like (laughs) it it takes a lot of work to make that kind of stuff happen. And the question you got to ask yourself is, am I prepared for that work? Right. Like, um, my mentors, you know, while I was in college and out of college, of course, my, my, my father was a big mentor, but my college coach, you know, rest in peace, coach, you know, I love you, um, Coach Cox, mm-hmm. you know, he stayed on top of me. You know, I wasn't on the one, but I'm speaking to myself. He stayed on top of me. I had to get my grades. I had to work hard to be, you know, the, the start, part of the starting five, continue. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just made sure that I was never in trouble. You know, if I was in trouble, he'd get on me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He was a father figure, you know. Yep. He made sure that everything that I, I'm i doing now, he did then. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. made sure that, you know, we followed the proper protocol for certain meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, I wore, the, you know, suits and ties, you know. So those type of things I needed. And after college, another good mentor, Minister Brown, you know, he taught me the life lesson on the marriage, you know, without sometimes he wanted to stay in thing. He just called me, hey, take a ride with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he just showed me some things. And without that, those two men, right, you know, the change, I probably never made it. Man, I, I'm so glad that you had them in your life and that you learn from them, man. And you're you're open to learning and listening. And that's another thing I talk to the youth about, man. Like you gotta you gotta listen. Like be open to listening. And, and no one's expecting a hundred and eighty degree turnaround of your life in five minutes. But it takes those small steps. And much like you mentioned, um, I did. I wasn't good at sports, but <laughs> I tried to play football one year. It didn't work out. But um, I remember Coach Singletary, he actually went to the NFL for, for a little while, but he never called us by our names in school. He called us future leaders. I remember this from because I went to high school from 2000 to 2003. 
And I will never forget that. He never called anyone by their name. He's like, future leaders, future leader, come over here, future leaders. And that stuck with me. And that's what I do. I call my kids future leaders. And I didn't get it at the time. I wasn't thinking about that. And then, you know, when you get older, it's like, oh, that's what he meant. Like, now I'm teaching. I was one. I was a replacement for him. Like, you know, so what you're saying is great, man. Yeah, that's something new. I haven't heard it, but I, I definitely get it now. You know, yeah. back then, yeah, as a child, I probably, like, wouldn't understand it. But, yeah, now, you know, at four to six, I definitely understand that. Yeah, man, future leaders. So we just talked about change. So at a point in your life, you decided to pivot from pursuing being a, a professional athlete and um, being an entre- and choosing to be an entrepreneur. What was that transition like, and how did you know that you needed to pivot? Oh, man, that transition was hard, you know, because, you know, as a young black man, you know, coming up from the country, you know, you had the sports that you participate in mm-hmm. and you dream about it. You know, you see Michael Jordan, all the greats yep. on TV. Hey, I want to be like Mike or whatever. And you had the talent to get you from high school to college. So why not think about being a professional athlete? Right. But injuries happen that kind of, you know, put you in a, you know, on a back burner, put your, your dreams on hold. Mm-hmm. So those type of things, it, it, it plays a part. But then you go in that mind and mental spin about what else I'm going to do now. Yeah. You know, so when that happened, you know, the injury or whatever, I'm going in from job to job. You know, it's not what I wanted to do, but there's some things I could do. So not to be beneficial for myself, it's not beneficial for my family. So I had to go into, you know, being an entrepreneur. So. Tell us about what you are doing now as an entrepreneur. Well, on the side of my wife, you know, we are, we have a couple of things that's coming out. You know, we are putting that, that war on divorce. We yeah. put into use. Yes. You know, and we, we are fighting for all the young couples, the new couples, the couples that are not even ready to be couples yet, but we're giving them the, information we want to give them the information to be able to have the you know sustainable marriage you know so we're we ready to go to war yo i i love that you are doing that um because we got to learn to stick it out man we got to learn to stick it out i've never been married but it's funny because i've been in relationships and when i look back at it i would say two of them Three of them, two, a couple of them could have been saved if we just would have sat down and stopped being stubborn and talking because it wasn't anything we couldn't get over. And we talked years later and we were looking at each other kind of like, we was dumb. Like we could have, we could have resolved that with a conversation, but we've been stubborn, getting caught up in the, oh, I'm young. I can replace you, blah, blah, blah. That's what we think. We think we got all the time in the world, but it's like when you find good, genuine people just because they make a mistake or they might let you down doesn't mean you throw everything away. You don't have right. to throw everything away. So um, with this war on divorce, what are some of the experiences that y'all have had with this already or like some of the people you've worked with? Do you have any stories you can share with us? Um, mainly we, we kind of have, you know, our own testimony as, you know, 
our war and the voice. You know, we are leaders in our church, mm-hmm. couples ministry. So we are, you know, it's not us leading and teaching. We are couples teaching each other, uh-huh. you know. And the main thing is just kind of going through some tools that, you know, as growing up, you see your, your mom and your dad or your auntie or your great uncle, whoever they may, they married. Yeah. They together for so long, but they never talk to you about what it takes to be married for a long time. True. So young couples now need to know what it takes to stay married. You know, like you said, just communication. It plays it pays a um, big part. You're right about that. Like communication, I think is like our number one issue. Like <laughs> I I could go into that for eons, but I'm not going to go into that. And you, you just dropped another gem. You've been dropping a lot of gems. You dropped another gem. You spoke about being a leader in the church and being around other couples. One thing I want to encourage you all out there to do, because I know some of y'all might have missed that. When you're in a certain place in life, I'm going to speak carefully. When you're in a certain place in life and you're doing certain things, you want to seek out like-minded people who can truly relate to your situation. Like me personally, when I want relationship advice, I only get advice from people who are married or people who have been in long-term relationships because that's my goal. So I'm like, I need to talk to the people who have the real experience because that's who I want to learn from. I want to learn from the people who have some bumps and some bruises and maybe then the people who know me well enough to say, Rob, mm-mm, you was wrong, bro. Like, you got to chill. You got to relax. Or, you know, people saying, hey, you know, let me talk to your girl. You know, I think maybe you may be right this time type of deal. And when you do that, you don't feel so alone because most of the time when we're alone, the easiest thing to do is quit and run away. This is the right. easiest thing to do because then you just drop everything. You don't have to resolve anything. You don't have to work anything. Boom, done. It's over. Bye. Goodbye. I'm done with you. But that comes with baggage. A lot of times you carry those issues and things into the next relationship and then you start creating a cycle. So one way to break a cycle is to go and di- go in a different direction. Really sit back and reflect on what you went through what you did, what really happened, and say, all right, you know what? Last time I got to this juncture, I turned left. I always turn left. This time, I'm going to turn right. I'm going to do something different this time and see what happens. So thank you for bringing up that point about just being around like-minded couples. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to be around like-minded couples that's going to hold you accountable for everything that you do if you did it right, if you did it wrong. You know, those people are key to, you know, marriages not just because they may be your friends mm-hmm. but they are and they are in deep with you and your marriage because they truly love you they're gonna call you out on your bs that you need that mm-hmm. instead of someone oh yeah you go and do this you can do this instead of you know those things that's that's not beneficial you know very true very true um you mentioned something else in your questionnaire and it's hard for me to talk about at times because it's happening so much, but you talk about, you know, part of what inspires you is the civil unrest that is happening in this country. Um, do you want to speak about why that's an inspiration for you? Well, isn't uh, inspiration to me because we all need inspiration 
no matter where it comes from. Yes. And being a black man and part of, you know, Dr. Dash, you know, genius, you know, uh, project, you know, we always have to be part of a change, mm -hmm. you know, so I always want to help young black men, no matter what it is, you know, it's very important to me because it's, I don't want my nephews or their nephews be caught up without knowing they had a choice to, yeah. you know, make a change. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, man. That That's another thing. Um, man, you dropping some gems today, brother. That's another thing I talk to my kids about all the time at work is like, you have choices in life. You have choices. You have decisions to make. They're you not always easy. You have a choice and a chance. Woo! You have a choice and you have a chance. And it ain't always easy. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we have to, we have to, you have the choice to put yourself in better situations and better scenarios because sometimes when you put yourself out there in the wrong situation or the wrong scenario, you invite the wrong element and now you got to make some more choices. So, you know, thank you for definitely bringing that up. Um, and anybody out there who's going through anything, who's bothered by what's going on in the media, and you're right, there's a lot of civil unrest. I definitely pray about it. I watch less news and I invite more positivity into my life, like having conversations with people like you. I'm on LinkedIn more than any other social media platform because there's a lot of positivity on there. So I would encourage y'all, if some of what's going on in this country and the world is bothering you, filter some of that out. Don't just absorb that all day, every day, because it will affect your mood, your attitude, and it will bring you down. So make sure you balance it. It's okay to be informed, but don't, don't live there. So right, and this is it's important to um, let our young black men know and older black men know that you know it's okay to be smart. Yeah, you know, know your know your laws. You know, I mean, be able to de-escalate a situation. You know, the best way you can by knowing the law. Mm -hmm. You know, by being part of uh, an error that all you want to do is as they say, buck up to someone, mm -hmm. that's what we're going to do because yeah. that's what we all know. Yeah. You know. Why are you doing this to me? I haven't done nothing wrong. So you can protect yourself. Yeah. But it's certain times when you need to do that. Yeah. You know, like fight or flight. You Man, you just dropped another gem. It is okay to be smart and to educate yourself. <laughs> it is okay because once you learn something, Nobody can take it away from you. Right. Um, and it, it's funny you mentioned the law. I was uh, one of my coworkers was late to work and asked me if I could watch his kids. And two kids were in the hallway arguing. And this young black man, I call him Mr. Attorney. He walked in between the two of them. He said, wait, 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 gentlemen. I'm going to I'm going to moderate. This is a sixth grader, man. He's 12 years old. He said, I'm going to moderate this conversation. Now, you're going to wait and I want to hear his side first. Then I want to hear his side and then we're going to work this out. My jaw hit the floor. I had never seen a child that young with such a mature approach to something like that. Just he just walked. He had his little glasses on me. I was like, you're an attorney. I was like, man, you might grow up to be an attorney. I love how you handle that. And that's what we have to get better at, man. Um Man, you, you got me thinking about an interview I did the other week where somebody, he was growing up, man, and another kid shot another kid just because they were playing basketball and the kid was getting the best of them. He wasn't talking junk. He was just a better player, 
a younger kid was better than the older kid. The older kid got so mad that he was better than him. He shot him. And I'm like, that's just so traumatic to see and to hear over a game, over a game when it could have just been a conversation. It could have been, hey, man, how'd you learn how to dribble like that? How'd you get, get so good at shooting? Can you teach me? You know? Right. Um, I mean, we also have to, you know, be able to teach ourselves, you know, and our young black men, like, why are we going against each other? We already have enough of that. Yes. You know, you can't get mad over a, a pickup game. Come on, we never did that. You know, by just learning to respect your next man next to you, because that man could be someone that you're going to need to lean on in mm -hmm. the future. So why are we going against each other so much when we already see all that's going on now? Yeah. You know, yeah. because you want to feel, you know, get your props and power that you don't have, but you have that in the long run, but it's not going to do you any good because you're going to be in a six by six jail cell. Yeah, I don't want to be there. And again, this brother just dropped another gem. Very true. And if y'all, if y'all, if you're out there and you have doubts, Go do some research on other communities. Look at the Asian community. Look at the Jewish community. Look at how they operate. They live. They move and live together. They put their stores next to each other. Everywhere where I live, where there's a Chinese food store, within a half a mile, there's a hair store. When I go in there, they hire their own people, and they 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 have their they're so tight knit in their community. And I'm like, we can do that. <laughs> it is right. not a competition like we can help each other out and the reason they do that is because culturally they know that they have people that understand them they have people that share their experiences we can do that too y'all so we definitely yeah. got to do it's that it's just that. the fact that you know we have been muted for so long yeah we don't want the next man behind us to have what we have we don't want to give them the knowledge to help them get to a certain point in life, you know, we want to keep it for ourselves, you know, so I'm not going to let you get the best of me, Rob. I'm not going to do that. Yep. So I'm not going to tell you everything, you know. So when we do that and have that mentality, we're not going to grow like those other communities, you know, until that point, because we, I mean, just look at the, the rap game, the basketball, football. Yep. We run, we rule. Even now, the lawyers and doctors, judges. I mean, come on. If we all just reach back and teach one. Yes. You know, and that one can teach someone else. Yes. You and know? Man, you you dropping the gems today. That That's, you struck a nerve because that has happened to me so many times where I've just needed information. I can't show you that, man. You know, that's my, and I'm like, you know. It's, it's like a DJ technique. It's like something you can teach me in like five seconds. Like it's like, but there's, and it's like, you're not, we're not isolated. So it's like some people, you act like you're holding a secret to a super billion dollar industry. Like whether, whatever field you're in, there's probably literally multi millions of people doing the same thing that you're doing. And somebody helped you. Like, I don't know anybody that is 100% self-taught. Somebody helped you along the way. So what's wrong with helping others? And for those of you who are protective over your ideas and your methodologies, get your paperwork done. 
copyright some things. Get someone to sign an NDA so they can't steal or take your information. There are ways where you can protect your ideas and stuff like that. But when we're selfish and we just keep everything close to the chest because we can't have it all and we can't take it with us, how does that help the next generation? It doesn't. It really doesn't, right. man. So spreading the knowledge is definitely important. All right, Mr. Evans, do you have anything you want to share with the audience that you and your wife may have coming up or that you may have coming up before I let you go, sir? Yes, I do. Um, thanks for asking me because um, our platform is, you know, once again, war on the voice. It, it means so much to my wife and I because, you know, we have had uh, family members, friends, people that we've come contact with over the years and just, you know, see, hold up, they were just together, not in a divorce. You know, those type of things hit home, you know, so we put on our armor to go, you know, fight for everybody's marriages, you know, even our own every day. You know, we have to fight for our own first, but at the same time, we still love and we got to do, the, you know, the work of God because, you know, he loved the church. That was his wife. He want us to, you know, love each other the way he does the church. You know, so in the future, we got some things coming out, you know, but y'all can follow us and Nova and Kim Evans on all social medias. And you can follow us at War and Divorce also. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, anything else, sir? Anything I missed that you wanted to talk about or discuss? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Dr. Dash and um, Dr. Reed for allowing me to be a part of this. You know, it's a very important thing that they are doing. Dr. Reed, you know, thank you for having the first black uh, magazine, Dr. Dash. Thank you for thinking about all the black men across, you know, this this world, yeah. you know, international and domestic. You know, I mean, we needed to have our voice heard a long time ago, but we're still right here, right now. You know. Yes. So, Rob, thank you for you know this opportunity. You know, so I'm looking to very very well looking forward to reading your your chapter too. Thank you, sir. And I definitely look forward to reading yours. Thank you for sharing your story and opening up and giving those personal details so that the other black man out there looking have someone that they can truly relate to and know and understand that, hey, I may be going through something, but I can work this out. I can fix this and it is not over. I can persevere and make it through. So thank you for sharing your story. And we hope that y'all are continuing to enjoy Black Man Day. We will catch y'all on the next one. Peace out.